welcome back to 28 Summers live podcasting around the campfire at the Armchair Adventure Festival in Cornwall. And I've got Nikki Love with me. Nikki, how are you doing? I'm great, Jay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great. And we actually chatted recently on the pod, um, but uh, it's awesome to have you here, meet in person. That's been one of the best things about this uh this festival so far, I'm getting to meet people that I've spoken to online and actually meet them in person. It's been such a rough year for not connecting with people yeah. live and being able to do this is just fantastic. Yeah, and I think this um, this type of, this group of people that are very typically adventurous and they want to be out exploring have definitely found it tough. You know, you've been stuck at home and stuck in. So why don't we start there? How, how has the whole lockdown process been for you? It's been interesting. I've I've actually managed to do adventures um, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, I, I've uh, managed to do a couple of things that probably weren't on the radar, and uh, they've had some interesting results. I guess. <laughs> it's yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, some some unexpected stuff. Well, we did some of that as well, some kind of closer to home adventures. You have to get creative. Well, we'll touch on those in a minute. But let's before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about uh, your childhood. So there's a there's a hint of an accent there. So tell us a little bit about where you were born, where you grew up. What was what was life like as a child? Were you kind of adventurous, running free, or a bit more stuck indoors? Well, as you can hear by the accent, I'm I'm a Lancashire lass. <laughs> Um, I was born in Rochdale, Um, parents are Glaswegian, and they decided to move to Australia to give me an opportunity um, in a different country, in a place that they thought there was more um, outdoor lifestyle. Um, It broke their heart when I said, I'm moving back to England. Um, so I grew up in Australia and, uh, yeah, it was really a, an outdoor sporty, um, experience. I, I absolutely loved it. And I came here to the UK, um, just shy of year 2000. And, um, yeah, when I got here, it was not quite as sporty as I'd experienced in Australia, but, um, over, was it the last 21 years, it has changed. And I think it changed, um, significantly after the Olympics. Uh, that, that's when we started noticing, or I started noticing the amount of people out there doing sport, I guess, uh, running, cycling, water sports. And what were you, so you were obviously really active in Australia. Then when you came back to the UK, did you kind of keep up with the activity or did you have a period where you were, were less active? I kept going, um, but I gave up a few things. So I did triathlons in Australia. And when I got um, to the UK, uh, like I said, 21 years ago, there wasn't that much in terms of triathlon going on. Um, but um, I'd always been a runner and running was the thing that I sort of went to when I got here. Um, it was to explore uh, the new place that I lived in and it kept me sort of sane I guess uh, when I had um, was missing people missing family and friends uh, the comfort was running so yeah it kind of healed you did it it's the one that kept your you in kind of the right balance mentally it always does um, and when I don't have it it feels like something's missing um, and when I come back to it again I realize um, just how much it does that word heal heal me yeah it nourishes me yeah I think that's I think it's important to find that thing as well isn't it for a lot of people just not finding the thing that kind of makes their heart sing and, and when they find that 
repeatedly doing it to kind of nurture themselves and nourish themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, a great time for thinking, not thinking. Um, yeah, it, it, it serves both purposes. Right, yeah, sometimes zoning out. So you were doing uh, triathlon and then uh, you started to get into kind of longer distance stuff. So tell us a little bit about that, how it evolved, and then your kind of your first really big adventure. Right, um, yeah, so doing a... Um, triathlon in Australia um, I was part of a group um, and I trained with I, w- I was really lucky I actually trained with a lot of um, professional triathletes who traveled around the world um, and although I was always the one up the back I wasn't a professional <laughs> I was the, the slow coach at the back um, but being part of the group and training similarly to them it was just like well you can do this um, and I think I just kept that mental attitude is that um, I could I could do this um, it, it just in my own way um and when i started getting um into longer distances it didn't i don't think it really occurred to me that (laughs) these long distances were beyond me it was just i will try and find a way to make them happen and it was kind of a slippery slope that the distances just continued to get longer and longer and um it wasn't always easy and there was a lot of failures in the process but um it was more a Rather than saying it was a failure and I was no good at this, it was actually a failure. I have learned from this. What can I take um, forward with me to um, get better at it? Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think the failures are are kind of critical, aren't they? They're all part of the journey. They help you. They help you improve. And then you uh, you set your sight on a a pretty aggressive challenge to to run multiple marathons in a row. Tell us a little bit about that. (laughs) This was uh, just an idea um, that I had. I had been reading these books and watching people do these adventures and thinking, oh, I wonder what I can do. And I read a book in particular um, by a, a bloke called Dean Carnese, he's an American guy, um, and he ran 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states of America. And I thought, well, I could do something like that. What could I do something like that? And came up with this idea that maybe 30 marathons would be um, the, the the goal. And I actually had people around me um different from Australia here in the UK, people telling me that actually that was not what I could do. Um, I'm like, okay, um, you obviously know me better than I know me. Um, I won't. I won't do these 30. I'll come up with this other idea. And we settled on seven. And seven seemed to be a, a, this uh, target that people around me thought I could do, maybe. <laughs> and um, and I gave it a go. Uh, seven marathons in seven days. And on the eighth day, I was so grateful that actually um, I, <laughs> I didn't do more than, than, than seven. I couldn't move on the eighth day. Um, I, it was tough and I learned a lot. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I learned a lot, but I also then put this multi-day running stuff down because I was told that I was battered, bruised, broken from the um, seven days and actually I wasn't very good at this stuff. So why would I want to do more? So I did put it down for a while. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think that um, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, sometimes when you come up with these ideas of things you want to do, the people around you that you love the most tell you all the reasons why you can't do it 
and and in many cases, I don't think they're trying to be spiteful, but I think they're probably projecting their fears uh, onto you, and they're essentially just saying out loud all the reasons why they couldn't do it or they won't do it. Um, but it's hard, isn't it? Because it, it sounds like you heard that and you had this great idea to do 30 and then before you knew it, you were doing seven. And and afterwards, you were kind of pretty glad you just did the, the seven because you were aching. But So you put it down for a little while. But then when did the seed get planted again that you wanted to go and try something even bigger? Oh, um, yeah, the, the seed uh, was there. I just... Um learned how to ignore it um, and I did put it aside and I got on with other stuff and um, I'm, I'm always quite adventurous, quite curious um, and I put that curiosity into work um, and I, I, I worked hard um, building up a, um, a sports massage therapy um, practice, uh, coaching practice uh, but the seed was there and um, it was turning 49 that uh, brought it all sort of flooding back because 49 meant 50 was coming up and 50 was that number, um, the 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 50 states, that book was sitting next to my bed and I'm like, oh, it's starting to yell at me. <laughs> Why aren't you doing this? And um, that's when it started uh, coming back to me that, that um, you know what, if I want to give this a go, I've got to give it a go. I think that's one of the things I love most about your story is that um, the, the journey wasn't, it's not like you just woke up one day and said, hey, I'm going to run, you know, 50 and 50. There's this kind of process you went through where, people told you you couldn't do it and you kind of listened to them frankly and and that you know you believed what you were being told um and then it took this inflection point you say hold on i'm going to be turning 50 and um i'm going to do 50 and 50 because that book was still staring at you the universe was still talking to you but you didn't do 50 and 50 did you because you started thinking about what the record might be yeah this was um one of those late night um Google searches that uh, I, I found the record for the most consecutive marathon distances by a woman um, was 60. And that kind of thought process went, well, you know, I'm going to try 50, but you know, if I'm trying 50, I may as well try for 60 because why not? And also <laughs> you've got to do this stuff. Um, and so 60 became the target. And then I had to think, well, I, I just thought, uh, if I'm going to do this, I may as well try and beat it. And, um, and that's when the thought process of what would that look like? Um, and it was simply a calculation, a maths calculation, which was um, if I went on the road for nine weeks, nine sevens are 63, um, 63 would be my target because that's more than 60 without sort of thinking too much about the fact that I had to organise all of this stuff. <laughs> what I love most about that is that you went from 50 to 63, which is nearly a 25% increase just because you wanted the maths to work really well, which is pretty amazing. So you decided to to set the record and, and how much planning went into that? So from the, the moment you decided you were going to go for the, the 63, how much planning went into it and, and you know where did you start? How long did it take? Okay, so the 63 became the target, the thing. I wrote it down. Um, I, I started thinking, what would I like to do? How would I, that, I like that to look? And being an Australian um, or growing up in Australia, I wanted this to be a big adventure. Um, I wanted to see the whole of the UK. Um, so I started putting places that I really wanted to go and visit in the UK. 
on a map and thought, okay, that's it. And um, then I broke my leg. And, and uh, that whole idea of like running the 63 marathons became um, complicated. Um, I had to let the, the leg rehab. Um, but I think what happened at, at that point was that actually I become became more focused on what it was that I wanted to achieve, why I wanted to do it. Um, and I took 12 months from that point um, to plan it all out and, and, um, and get fitter, strong enough to be able to do one marathon. And from that point, I thought, well, if I could do one and get up the next day, because uh, I'd proven to myself that I'd done it before, then I could do it again and again and again. The key was also finding the joy and making it fun and um, making this an experience that I really, really wanted to do. I wanted to go to all these places. Um, So it was putting the fun element into it as well. Yeah, I I think that's great. Um, I'm curious to know, before we kind of dig in a little bit deeper on the challenge, that the naysayers, the last time round, they were really loud and you let them kind of push you into something. Were they still there and you were just ignoring them or were they starting to see that you that you could do this stuff um some were and um at that point when I said I was going to do it they kind of said right you're on your own um I don't want to be part of this um I had left those uh, some people as well so I'd moved away um from from the people that I didn't think were right for my mental side um and I had got very good at listening to myself, tuning into myself and um, and working on the whole self-belief, uh, self-talk. Um, I did a lot of writing, um, journaling and um, working on the mental side of it to uh, sort of uh, create this person who was willing to give it a go. What was the big driver? So you you said there were places you wanted to go and see, so that's part of it. But what else was driving you to take on? So because there's no question that it's a really difficult challenge. The big driver was turning 50. (laughs) It really was. Um, It was that whole process of what is it that I want to achieve? What story did I want to show to my son um as you get older there is this uh sort of thought process of legacy what is it that you're going to be leaving behind what is it that you're teaching or if if people are watching um and people watch (laughs) um what is it that you're trying to do in life i guess and um i was coaching people and i was encouraging people to do their own uh, version of whatever extraordinary meant to them and i was realizing that actually i may look like i was walking the walk and talking the talk but i wasn't because i had this goal and dream inside of my head that um was was just there and and I wasn't actually taking action on it so it was time to put my money where my mouth was sort of thing that's awesome it's really powerful as well isn't it because I think that um we do get to a certain age in life and we convince ourselves that it's too late but we're also got that voice in the back of our head saying maybe it's not um and I love the fact that your you know your son was part of the inspiration for doing it as well because you want to be a good role model and I love that expression. I, you, you probably heard it before the quote, but what you do speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. 
And often we do say certain things and we, we kind of talk about doing really good things, but we don't necessarily always do them. So what did he think when you told him you were going to do it? How old he was he? He was 16. I think he was 16. Um, he thought it was fantastic. Um, uh, just uh, he, he, he doesn't understand the whole running side of it. <laughs> He'd rather stab himself in the eye with a pointy stick than come running with me. But um, uh, he understood the um, passion behind it and I'd been talking about this for years and for him to watch me actually start making it happen, um, he got stuff out of that that, that he was – really pleased and, and proud that I was doing this. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So what were some of, when you when you did it, 63 days, what were some of the highs and lows? Well, um, <laughs> it got off to a great start. Uh, I started in Scotland in John O'Groats and, and I'd picked out these locations all around the country and after the first week it just, um, things started going wrong <laughs> and obstacles kept coming in the way and uh, my van broke down. Um, I got a tummy bug. Um, it was hard. <laughs> um, but the purpose of it was to keep waking up the next day and going, okay, I'm going to find a way to make it happen um, and just say, all right, I'm going out for a little run. Um, so the adventure changed, um, but being able to roll with it, adapt to the changes, make changes on the fly, understanding what it was, the purpose, the, the ultimate purpose, which was to run 26.2 miles. Um, it didn't happen, it didn't matter where that, where they were, so long as I completed them. It didn't matter how long it was going to take me, so long as I completed it within the 24 hour period. So, um, finding your strengths, um, my strengths, um, to be adaptable and being committed and determined to keep going. So uh, there was so many positives and so many beautiful places that I ran. Um, but yeah, it was different to what I had envisaged first off. Right. And that's often the way, isn't it? The, the plans we put in are often, are often different. Um, did you run on your own or were you running with other people? Um, I invited people to come and join me and um, I did have people join me here, there and everywhere. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of both. I think I only had a few days where I was totally alone, um, but usually there was somebody with me. Yeah, that's awesome. And so um, I know that uh, inspiring young adventurers is a big part of what matters to you as well. You touched on your, your son. I know he's a bit older, but how's that kind of – come into the mix and um, what are you doing there to try and inspire the younger generation? Well, this actually started from the seven and seven. Um, uh, he was at primary school when I first um, did this multi-day stuff and um, uh, one of his mates, his best mates, uh, had cystic fibrosis and I thought I'd raise money for that charity. And during the seven days, um, a, a head teacher said, why don't you come around and visit the school? The kids can come and, and talk about um, you know, being, uh, you know, running, doing little runs, the charity. And I ended up running at, I think, 20 primary schools during that seven marathons in seven days. Um, and then during the 63, when um, the van broke down and I had to um, come up with 
alternative routes. Um, we went back to the schools again or the schools contacted me again and said, why don't you come visit again? Talk to the kids. The kids loved it. They loved this idea that you're doing this adventure. Um, when I went to the schools, I talked about what extraordinary meant and extraordinary for being a personal achievement. And the schools um, picked that up and um, got the kids to write what they were doing that was extraordinary, think about um, their their level of extraordinary um, and share that with me. And it's sort of been an ongoing thing that if I'm doing an adventure, um, I'd love the kids to join me, the schools to join me, and we, we talk about um, personal achievement um, and going out there to do your best um, and be your best without comparing, um, but then also coming together and working as a team. So we do teamwork and togetherness and uh, personal achievements. And, and it's been such a fun thing to do, um, get to schools and um, a, a, spread the joy of running and B, spread the joy of um, personal accomplishment. Yeah, it's amazing. I love on your website that you talk about finding your own extraordinary because it is a kind of deeply personal thing, isn't it? Um, so I think that's really inspirational. And you've also recently written a book. Tell us about the book. I have. I, I wrote a book. Um, this year um, I got injured uh, trying an adventure and um, whilst I was at some downtime, I thought that I would write a book for um, children. Um, I thought I would write a rhyming book for children, uh, which I thought would be really easy. Turns out it wasn't really easy. <laughs> it took a long time and a lot of um, input from other people to make sure that the rhymes worked. Um, but it's finally out and, and it's a story about the 63 marathons and about the girl who loves to run. I absolutely love it. And you actually brought a copy here, didn't you? Because you, you've got some copies for sale. How did it feel to finally get it printed and in your hands? It, it, it is um, a beautiful thing. I, I had this vision in my head and I wrote all the words um, and then spoke to a friend, a, a running friend who is a, um illustrator, trying to tell him when I can't draw <laughs> what I wanted to see, how I wanted it to, to, I don't know, come out of the book. And he um, just understood me and has come up with this gorgeous um, uh, book that I'm really proud of. And um, I've been reading it at, at, at primary schools. And um, I get a little bit of a tear when I read it. Um, I don't know if you, we could read a little bit from it. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I think that would be really amazing. Go for it. This is, this is the end of the book. Um, and I'll try not to tear up. <laughs> You're going to spoil the punchline. I am going to spoil the punchline. People have got to buy the book oh, to get that. No, no, go on. Do it, do it, do it. Do whatever you want. Yeah, read the start. They've got to buy the book to get the end. Uh, this is, this is uh, after I decided what it was that I was going to do. So I'd run daily marathons and then I would see if it was quite possible to run 63. 63 would be more than any girl had run. That's a lot of marathons. Could it be done? Some thought it was crazy, an impossible task. Run 63 marathons? Who was she, they asked. I am me, I said proudly, and I know that's enough. An ordinary girl trying extraordinary stuff. Nikki, I absolutely love, 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 love this. And um, I'm a, so I'm a dad to two girls. I've got a 15-year-old girl. I've got an 11-year-old girl. And uh, my wife is pregnant with uh, our fifth child, um, uh, who is going to be a girl. 
Um, and I just, I just think it's so inspiring. I think your story is inspiring on loads of levels. And I also think it's a little, uh, it's a little less obvious to write a children's book. Like in your situation, as a woman approaching fifty, it would have been easy to write a book about that, about that turning point in your life. And I think this book is about that, but it's also aimed at a younger audience. Um, when I talk at schools, um, the younger kids, the years two, three, four. The, ki- the, the kids, the boys and the girls, um, totally believe that they are capable of anything that they put their mind to. And I could go into a school and say, I'm going to run to the moon, and the kids will say yes, and they'll be able to work out a way to do it. Um, and as they get a little bit older, and we're sort of like heading up to year six, um, the girls start losing their confidence or or quieten down um, and and – and lose this, um, I don't know, this belief, yeah. And and I know I did that as well. And that's kind of why I wrote it is that, and, and it's for young girls, middle-aged girls, older girls, um, is trying to hold on to that childlike belief and take it through and, and be okay with, trying things and they might not work first time around but um not give up on yourself i think that's magic i think it's a really brave book to write and like i said i don't think it was the obvious choice but it is it is the awesome choice and um yeah i just i'm really excited for you and i'm sure it's going to go it's going to go really well what's next for you what other adventures have you got planned um i'm i'm going a little bit rogue so i usually <laughs> am a runner um but i've had an injury um and uh it, it's made me think a what can adventure look like without running um and b what am i capable of achieving um is there something new that i i could learn um so i've spent a lot of time the last four months on my bike um that was not new um, i've been on my bike since i was a little kid um but yeah going back onto the bike um and i've learned how to um, balance on a stand-up paddleboard and there's going to be a little combination of um cycling uh, hiking up mountains and uh, supping uh, in the next adventure. So it's uh, slightly different for me, but I think it's going to be fun. And and this is the key, is the fun part of it. Trying something new and um, putting fun element to, into it. Yeah, pushing your boundaries but having fun along the way. Well, where can people follow you online and where can they buy the book? Oh, <laughs> well, if anybody's here, <laughs> you can buy it from me direct. Um, uh, but the website is nikkilove.co.uk. Um, so that's where you can buy the book. And uh, social media is Nikki Love Runs. Although I might have to um, look at that, that last part because Nikki Love is going to be doing lots of different stuff as well. Yeah, Nikki Love Adventures. How about that? Yeah. Well, look, it's been really fun chatting to you. We do have a very small audience here and we've got lots of people still arriving at the festival uh, but we have a uh, chap in the uh, in the audience leon very good looking chap yeah i'm gonna pass you the mic nikki this is a really irrelevant question but i'm just intrigued and being nosy about times of the marathons mm-hmm. so what was the kind of start time to the 63 what were you kind of what were the difference in times oh that first day was brilliant (laughs) 
Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so I knew that I was always going to have to concentrate on running Marathon 63. So I did take it down a notch. Um, my first marathon, uh, you asked Jay if anybody ran with me, the first marathon in John O'Groats in Scotland, um, a bloke turned up and he said, I've never run more than 10 kilometres before. Can I run a marathon with you? I said, absolutely. Come on, let's go. Um, and that first marathon, um, our running time was five hours, 35 minutes or something like that. Um, and this guy had honestly never run further than 10 kilometres um, in his life. Um, he has told me since that he's never run more than 10 kilometres <laughs> since. So that's four years ago. Um, but that was, um, that was such a wonderful experience, taking him to his first finish line. Um, they ranged um, mo moving time between five and a half to six and a half hours. Um, I then started stopping at schools and talking to kids um, and doing interviews. Uh, so there was a bit of downtime in that that um, time. So overall time, they kind of ranged to up to about seven hours, but I'd had downtime. So it wasn't actually moving time. Um, but yeah, between five and a half to six and a half hour marathon running um, times. So nice and slow. Um, and I do like to tell, um, especially women's running groups, because when I talk about it, they say, oh, there's no way I could do that. And then when I say, well, this is the time that I've done it in, and they go, ah, oh, yeah, I could run a marathon in that. So come and join me. And how many pairs of trainers did you get through? Uh, that one, I went through eight pairs of trainers. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I have a friend like that, Nikki, who kind of, I say I can't do things and, and I have to pay to do them. I think he runs a podcast. Jay, I just wanted to say that um, I, I worked this out yesterday. Um, so the average age for... Um, Average uh, life expectancy for a woman in the UK is 82 years. Uh, take 28 years off of that, and that leaves you with 54, and I'm currently 54. So I'm sort of like thinking, what am I going to do with the next 28 summers? Um, and hopefully the sky is the limit because I really uh, want to cram as much as possible into it. I absolutely love that. You are officially now the ambassador for 28 Summers. That's the perfect equation. Um, that's just amazing. I love it. And, and I think, again, one of the things I love about your story is that you are, the, and I know you won't mind me saying this, but you're like the walking, talking epitome of showing people that you can start adventuring much later in life and have uh, you know, an amazing adventurous life and really enjoy it. You don't have to start these things when you're young. And I just, I just think it's an amazing story. And I'm so excited to watch what you do next. I know the book's going to go absolutely crazy and fly off the shelves. It's a wonderful book. And um, I wouldn't bet across, uh, against you doing 100 marathons in 100 days eventually once, you, uh, once you've had some other adventures along the way. That's still on the cards. It's still I a to-do. I thought it might be. <laughs> I thought it might be. And maybe Run Across Australia, I think, was on the list as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Run Across Australia was the actual goal. Um, and it after running the 63 marathons. Um, and it's now, what, four years, and I still haven't quite got there. Um, but I'm hoping that it's going to be a um, 2022 adventure. Um, and it'll probably be a combination of running across Australia with the 100 marathons and I don't know maybe I might throw something else in there as well. <laughs> awesome. Do we uh, have any other questions? 
Any questions? No? Well, Nikki, thank you so much for your time. Really great to speak to you. Thank you, Jay. Thank you.